You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. Well, we're in week two of our new series, Checkmate. And if you were not here last week, I'd encourage you to go online and have a listen to the podcast. Uh, in fact, we were going to call the series Warfare That Works, but the team, we got together and we began to talk about it and came up with the thought of Checkmate. And of course, if you're in the acoustic service today, I, I want to encourage you that when we go God's way, come on, we can checkmate the enemy. Uh, my dad passed away numbers of years, but I remember as a little boy, he loved to play chess. And the whole thing about chess is not just playing a game, but getting your opposition into not just check, which they can get out of, but checkmate. When you hear the word checkmate, it's like, I lost, I'm a loser. And I today want to encourage you that the enemy does not have the advantage that we believe he does. And so we are through the series looking into God's strategy for our everyday battles. And I kind of feel like there is a challenge for us to understand the truth that we are all engaged. Maybe you've never thought about this, but engaged with a hidden enemy that is going to use everyday things to discourage you. There's an enemy that hates the will of God for our lives. There's an enemy that seeks to destroy us. Last week up at North, Pastor Ben Mays talked about uh, fight right. In other words, you've got to go to war the right way. Pastor Luke down at South was talking about winning first and foremost the internal battles. How can we take on the enemy in the surrounding battles if we don't win internal ones? And then I love what Pastor Scott was talking about here in, in Central. Basically, he captured this thought that the battle or the war is won, but the battle continues. And sometimes we have this kind of thinking as Christians that it should be a lot easier. Well, I don't want to upset you or burst your bubble today, but I'm telling you, you are in war. I am in war, and when I begin to realize that, I begin to approach life a whole lot differently. See, sometimes people come to me and they say, well, Pastor, life is so tough, or we're going through all this stuff, and it seems to be getting keeping at us and going on. And I say, well, some of the stuff is self-created, but a lot of it is the enemy's design to cause us to give up on the purpose that God has for us. And Paul the Apostles, this is the foundation to this four-week series, is in Ephesians 6 and verse 10, where he says, finally, my brethren, or finally, church, would you be strong? in the Lord and in the power of His might. In other words, you need to be supernaturally strengthened because your gift, your intellect, your human capacity can't match it with the enemy. But if you were to learn to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, you would see that supernatural source from heaven would enable you to gain the victory, to bring the enemy who is opposing you into a position of checkmate. Then he says in verse 11, so put on the whole armor of God. You know, I, I was thinking about it this week. How many know most of us don't go to bed with the clothes we wore through the day? Most of us. 
There were times in my teenage life where it was more prevalent to go to bed, and so I didn't have to change. But literally, I think Paul is saying, you realize every day, you need to be clothed. Church is great, but Sunday is not enough for you to win the war on Monday. You've got to put on the whole armor, not partial. If you do part of it and you go to war, the enemy knows what part lays vulnerable. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, I want you to get this, to stand against the wiles of the enemy. And again, it's this thought of when you do life, if you're anything like me, it's kind of like when the unexpected happen, when the war is fierce, when things that have really got me down begin to kind of enclose upon me, I find my stance beginning to bow. And I begin to look more at the battle and more at the unexpected and more at the challenge than to stand in the middle of it. It's an amazing thing that three times here in Ephesians 6, Paul says, stand, 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 stand. For you do not wrestle, by the way, with the person you're married with. You don't wrestle with people, flesh and blood, even though you may think a lot of your conflict is because of people. No, there's an enemy behind it. You're at war with principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts. Kind of this thought in every campus, I want you to think about this online. How much time do you give to thinking I'm, I'm at war? Instead of going, why does all this stuff happen? I'm at war. And I'm at war at a powerful opponent that is seeking to pull me down and to give up on the purpose of God, we do not wrestle. The word wrestle comes from this original picture where the winner was declared when the opponent was held down by the hand or the foot of the victor on their neck. We wrestle. We don't give up until our foot or our hand is on the neck of the opponent. I suppose today I, I would be right in saying, where are you in the equation of the fight? It's like, oh man, it's just too hard. It's just, and the enemy's got his hand on your neck rather than know it's time to wrestle back to the advantage and realize that it is a powerful enemy, but not half as powerful as the God you serve. Therefore, verse 13, take up. I can't do this for you. I can't do it for anyone else but me, but take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all, again, he says, stand. In other words, as you learn to stand, as you learn to lift your head out of the challenge, there is going to be a shift in perspective that's going to allow the enemy to begin to back off because you'll realize your victory is not in what's happening now. It's in the God that's beyond you. Come on, it's the God that's behind you. It's the God that holds everything Intention here in Central, at least we just sang a song, whether now or then, death is not my end. I know heaven waits for me. And while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting. Come on, because heaven lives in me. 
It's kind of like today, I, I, I want to challenge you. What has the enemy done to cause you to stop standing upright? I mean, there are so many times in my life where I get hit on the left and hit on the right, and I don't even realize it, but before I know it, my head is being lowered. And so I begin to lose perspective. And as Scott said last week, well, the, the, the war's been won, but the battle's still on. Let me put it another way today. I determine or we determine when we get to experience supernatural victory. Depending on if I'm standing or not will determine whether I walk in supernatural victory now or then. See, the enemy's already been defeated and yet he's still active. So therefore, I've got to choose to stand up in the middle of my battle and say, I'm not waiting for the end to experience that supernatural victory. I'm going to make it mine now. Come on, come on, you're going you're gonna to get this. It's kind of like, yeah, but you, you don't realize how I feel. No, I know how you feel because I feel. But I'm going to make a decision. You are not going to put me in the middle of the battle. I'm going to stand in the middle of the battle, and I'm going to be de de determined to push through. See, we are in this spiritual war zone. Years ago, I was in Virginia Beach, and, uh, and I've often shared how that the understanding in that community within the church is very different to here in New Zealand and Australia. We, we don't understand war. We see it on the news. But when you go into their community, because that's a military town, city, everybody, it seems, in church knows somebody in their family that has been lost at war. Many people have lost a limb that are in church that used to be in the military. People are scarred all around. So when you talk about the fact that war is not easy, they know. Come on, I, I want to go somewhere. Because I think somewhere down under, it's kind of like when we get attacked by the enemy and we lose something, it's like, well, where are you, God? And God says, you're in war. You're in the war zone. So why are you letting the enemy keep your head down? You need to stand, therefore, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might and begin to realize that there are challenges around. By the way, victory, if you talk to somebody in a war zone, involves loss. But some of us are living our lives buckled over by something that happened rather than realizing, well, that's what happens in war. But it doesn't have the final say. There's a cost to conquer. You just don't take ground and everything's smooth. It's kind of like you've got to learn to be somebody engaged in war. I think if you talk to Marie and I, and we, we don't get up on Sunday, and I don't just vomit over everyone. You go, what do you mean? Well, I don't just share everything we're going through. This would, without doubt, be the, la the last 12 months, be the hardest 12 months of our whole life. We're taking ground. Oh, yeah, but I thought if to be a Christian, it'd be easy. No, no, no. The enemy knows you're taking steps towards what you were designed for. Come on, he's going to use everything he can to, to cause you to give up. And a couple of weeks ago, a couple, Jason and Lily, who are heading up our new central build, 
lost a baby a while back while she was pregnant and now was pregnant again, only to discover she's a midwife. She said, baby, stop moving. Quick, let's go and check out. 27 weeks old. Medically, they did the tests and there was no heartbeat. And of course, they're one of our sons and daughters and loved by so many people. So we're there at the hospital. I don't know if it gets darker than going through the night when you know you have to go through contractions to deliver a baby that was not meant to die like that. To be there in the dark hours of the night, in a darkened room, Lily having contractions, Marie with her, Jason with his hands lifted up, standing and singing, naturally knowing there is no answer, but still standing and saying, but God, you're the God of miracles. So we're going to believe that this baby can receive breath. But Jason wasn't one of those that go, well, it's just going to happen. It's like, well, God is the only one that can make it happen. So could somebody, when he's born with us, lay hands and pray? That even medically, we know the baby's had no oxygen to the brain. It would have to be a creative miracle, but we're going to stand and pray. And believe that breath. Would somebody pray that breath would come to these bones? So Marie prays breath, commands breath. Everybody prays for a miracle. And yet no breath comes. What do you do with that? You have to make a decision whether you're going to go down to the level of the battle and live there. Well, like Jason and Lily did, we're going to stand in the middle of this. Broken, unanswered questions, but we're going to lift our perspective to something that's beyond us, which is the name of Jesus. And I think I'll be moved forever because we've been through some pretty dark things personally and dark things with other people, but to see this couple have to accept the fact that little Noah Job was not going to walk this earth like they walked. But Noah Job, on the guarantee of the truth of Scripture, is right now in eternity and awaits their coming and is also with either his brother or sister, according to Scripture. And to stand in the middle of that and go, Paul, when you take the memorial service, you've got to give it everything. What do you mean? You've got to tell people that Jesus is the answer. Because we don't want Noah Job to not live this life without something coming from it. And I kind of feel like, come on, every campus, everyone online, everyone in the acoustic service here at Central, it's like God, I feel, is saying, come on, are you putting the enemy in checkmate or has he got you in checkmate? Because you will not win through this life without a tenacity of standing in the eye of the storm, in the heat of the battle. Standing and believing that what the enemy meant to destroy, God will use for good. And let me go on record because I'm pretty worked up today. I get a little tired of weak Christians. 
that play around with salvation. Do you know that your salvation had a huge price tag? You've got a God in heaven that loves you so much. He was prepared to be scarred, I believe, for eternity so that you could live free. And I believe on the other side of our scars, come on, there's somebody else's freedom. So many Christians say, I want to be like Jesus, okay? Prepared to be scarred. I want to move into the purpose of God for my life. We'll be prepared to lose something along the way. The key is don't let your scars carry infection. Too many Christians. Here, they come to church like this, not on the outside, but on the inside. They live their lives like this. Oh, why did that have to happen to me? Come on, I'm challenging you. I can't answer the question why it happened. All I know is there's an enemy. You're in the war zone. Come on, there are those closest to you that will be taken out, but in the middle stand. 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 Because as you stand, your perspective begins to change. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober and be vigilant. That literally means be calm, but give strict attention. In other words, if you don't go into Monday understanding the enemy wants to take you out, he wants to confuse you, he wants to depress you, he wants you to have give up thoughts. Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around seeking whom he may devour. He's a roaring lion, but he's looking for someone with partial armor on. That word devour is an interesting original word. It's, it's, he seeks to swallow you. You don't die instantly. He seeks to drown you. Get you surrounded with the things that you can't explain. So what do you do in the middle of that? It's not about finding all the answers. It's about standing. To seeing a different perspective. Resist him, verse 9, standing firm in faith. That same word, standing. Because you know that your family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. It's kind of like you say, well, this is a pretty depressing message, Paul. I was wanting to get hope. Your hope is in him. Come on, we've got to stand like Jason and Lily, tears. Nights where they can't sleep as they think, what could Noah, Job Donnelly, have become? I wonder if he would have played sport like me, said Jason. Not hiding, it's not the no-go area, the standing. And yet saying, well, God, you're going to use this. And here today, it's being the story of his life is being used to enrich all of us. You see, to stand, this is the thing about standing. It's to live an elevated view. The enemy doesn't want you to, to marry who Jesus is with where you're at. But I've had to learn to stand in the middle of confusion. Living my today in light of the promise of God tomorrow. Some of you have heard me talk about being in Virginia Beach, talking to a Navy SEAL, arguably the elite warriors of war in the world. And this particular Navy SEAL, me just asking years ago, so how does it work? He told me some of the things I was blowing away, some things he couldn't tell me. But what he did tell me is he was married with a little girl and his wife was expecting and they had a little beeper on the side. And I said, well, what if the beeper goes off? He said, well, that means I would go to war. 
We were on a boat at the time. I said, well, what if we stopped you? He said, you wouldn't. (laughs) So where would you go? I don't know. Wherever we need to go. Come on. When would you be back? We don't know. If we ever come back. So as a little Kiwi, it's like, well, that doesn't sound very fear. So you might not be here for the birth of your second daughter. I don't think that's right. Everything shifted. I'll never forget the moment. He turned from being a nice Christian man to becoming a warrior. And he looked at me, but he looked through me. And he said, you don't understand that I was born for the freedom of the United States of America. Church, I want you to hear something today. The enemy doesn't want to put you, doesn't want you to put him in checkmate. But you know, on the other side of your life today is somebody else's freedom. You were born not to say, please, please come to next steps. Please, please find your spiritual gifting so you can feel good about yourself. You were called to stand. God doesn't want you, come on, to be swirling around with the plan of the enemy. He wants you to stand and live. I'm not trying to draw conclusions, but it's interesting that Jason and Lily are on the forefront of taking new ground. Mm -hmm. Because not only is to stand to live an elevated view, but to stand is to remain positioned at your post. If it's a little quiet in here today, it's going to get a little quieter. If you're under attack and the enemy's got the advantage over your life, life is a hospital. We just come as you are and we'll do everything to see you become whole. But you're a Christian that's been walking with God for a while. Are you standing in your post? This is what I do understand about war. If, if I'm holding my post, but my comrades aren't holding their post, I'm vulnerable. You don't have to do what I'm called to do. But we as a church are called to see Aotearoa change. We're, we're here to see a, a, a generation of people that are being sold the dummy. To have the truth of God flowing in and through us. It's kind of like recently the Super 12 rugby finished up and Canterbury was playing the Lions, a South African team. And I noted on the news last week how that they said to Canterbury, what was your game plan? They said, well, the number 10 for the Lions is their game maker, playmaker. So we targeted the playmaker. We shut down the playmaker and we won the title. Come on. Life is not here to make people just feel good. There is a mandate on us as one of the playmakers in this nation to see God do something we've never. Oh, yeah, but I can't do what you're called to do. You're not called to do that. I don't know if you ever saw Hacksaw Ridge. 
Come on, Desmond Doss. Out of his conviction says, I'm not taking up arms. I'm not shooting anyone. But I will go to war. Finally, he won the right to go to war without a gun. Come on, and lifted 75 dying soldiers on his shoulders out of the battle into safety. Some of us are called to be in the community. Some of us are called to be in business. Some of us are called to be in church, in kingdom. Come on, we're here. Some of us are there to cook the meals for the soldiers that are on the front line. We can't do it all, but if we're not doing anything, our post is vacant, and the enemy has a right of attack. Stand, therefore, verse 14. Again, third time, this word stand. Stand, having girded your waist with truth, having a breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, be someone that takes the shield of faith. It's the shield of faith that can quench the fiery darks of the enemy. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. You can't win the war by working harder. You can't win the war by getting greater human intellect. It's by praying in supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. You know, if I were to coach a team, and I think the Bible is the same, it's no good going to war this week unless you understand defense before offense. See, you need to hold your line. If, if you can't score and the enemy's against you, you've got to protect your line. So defense is more important and always the first thing before the offense. We just want to rip the enemy's head off and the enemy is no, also a, he's a strategic fighter. He's a roaring lion that devours people. And I, I just want to encourage you, first and foremost, let's take a few moments just to look at some of the defense. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. I love 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 that speaks about Paul writing, the hope of salvation. Come on, the helmet protects your brain. Your brain is where your thinking takes place. The enemy is attacking the church in the place of our thinking. And we're going to begin to surround our thinking knowing whose child we are. We have the authority to put the enemy not just in check, but checkmate. We have the right to be able to tell him when he tries to use our past that no, we have salvation that was bought with the blood of Jesus. Come on, Sam, come and help me here in Central. Like I said before, we determine when we get to experience supernatural victory. It's kind of like, I got to stand. I grew up in a great church like this, but I was never taught that when you go out into the marketplace, you go into the war zone, the enemy's going to try and condemn you. So I wanted to serve God with all my heart. I wanted to do everything right. But I got with some bad people. They're always swearing. So I would allow a swear word to come out of my mouth and the devil would go, look, you aren't a true Christian. And I looked and I said, well, no, I'm not. I hope Jesus doesn't come back before I get right at youth group on Friday night. I had no helmet. First part of your defense. Are you right with God? Come on, are you saved? Jesus said, I am the way. Come on, online, every service, I am the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father. 
you don't earn your way to heaven. There's not a multiple way to get there. Jesus is it. That's it. And once you've surrendered to Him, supernatural victory becomes yours in the now. Again, in sports, a big thing of late, particularly in contact sports, is head injuries. They have in rugby, I think it's in league as well, they have HIA tests, head injury assessments. If you can lie with another head or an elbow to the head and, and they think you've been sort of knocked unconscious even for a split second, they're going to take you and test you. And if you fail the test, you're off. Can I, can I go there today? Well, it doesn't matter if you say yes or no, I'm going to go there. <laughs> I reckon we've got a lot of Christians in the church today suffering head injuries because they're still trying to work out whether they're saved or not. You don't earn your way to heaven. You just accept that Jesus forgave you for your sin. And now there is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. I think the enemy wants to question God's authority of forgiveness. I think the first thing I'm going to put on in the morning is my helmet of salvation. Which is what? It's a key. So I can declare daily my standing in Christ. It's like every day. I'm not perfect. If you meet a perfect Christian, get out of there quick. Because they aren't real. We are Christians that are maturing to become more like Christ. Good Christians live close to Calvary. The end of the day, Lord, I stuffed up. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And in the morning, I stand, I put my helmet on. Devil, just so you know, I want to declare one more time. I'm a child of God. Not because I'm good enough, just in case you bring that up again. I got a helmet of salvation. And so, brain, you're not going to play with me today. I am one of God's kids. He's for me. He's not against me. I am walking the walk. I'm running the race. And I'm not prepared to have that supernatural victory at the end of the game. I want it now. So I'm putting on my helmet. Some of you have got to hear this. Yeah, but Paul, I've stuffed up. Well, bring it to him. Come on, today, God, I'm sorry. The greatest word you can have with God is, God, I'm sorry. The second one says, thank you. I receive. i got a helmet of salvation on today, so the enemy, come on, can't rattle with my head. For though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10. Remember this, we don't war according to the flesh. I love this, for the weapons of our warfare. Come on, our checkmate position are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. I love verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I'm going to bring every thought, helmet of salvation, to captivity, to the obedience of Christ. Love that. See, when you have the helmet of salvation, Your head doesn't stay down. It can't stay where the enemy's playing. 
it lifts you above it. And you begin to see the God that died for me, standing at the end with full victory, right now is positioning me to put the enemy in checkmate. So don't try that enemy. You're not going to get your way. So often I think salvation is taught just with the context of future benefits. Because I'm saved now, I've got eternity with God. No, it was meant to not only do that, but influence every day of my life. When the enemy points at my weakness, I point at my strength in Jesus. Be strong in the Lord, not in you, and in the power of His might. See, we determine when we get to experience supernatural victory. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. I love Philippians. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. It's kind of like, devil, you might be making all the moves right now. You might have taken our son early. But we're standing because we've got a helmet of salvation. Tonight, I'm going to try and get onto the breastplate of righteousness and our loins girded with truth because those are the three defensive parts that we need to get settled before we begin to take ground. And I think it would be great today, again online, Acoustic Service South, North and Central, if we would all stand together. Come on. Right now, the team are going to join each campus and I just felt like we need to let the enemy know I'm not saved because I'm good enough some of you aren't getting this I'm saved because he's Jesus he was scarred for me and his scars don't carry infection they carry healing and maybe we just need to declare devil I'm going to start fighting this battle You're not going to lord it over me, make me, come on, somebody that doesn't hold my post. Seriously, church, I want you to hear this. All of us got to step up. Too few warriors on the front line. We just need to step up because if we leave our post, it makes the whole army army vulnerable. And uh, I'm not a blame maker, but I know this, the enemy's a smart fighter. And if we don't stand our post, we won't see the victory that God has in front or in store for us to take. But this is how I fight my battles. Even though I'm surrounded by all sorts of stuff, you need to know, devil, I'm surrounded by him. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.